Welcome to another extended WLRN interview. The following interview you are about to hear is conducted by WLRN member Marisofna and host Joey Bright from the wildly successful gender-critical online event entitled Can I Get a Witness? Joey details what she has been up to since that event and the acts of civil disobedience taking place around the USA at various pediatric gender clinics she has been orchestrating. More than just protests, Joey and other concerned citizens are taking to the streets to raise awareness about the medical malpractice all too common in the pediatric gender clinics around North America. Listen now. So Joey, thank you so much for joining me today and for agreeing to chat. Can you briefly tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing right now? The main thrust of what Can I Get a Witness is, is participating in is getting people around the United States uh, primarily to understand what our civil disobedience uh, possibilities are. The most basic thing is protesting and I'm advocating peaceful protesting and learning about in some areas, of course, with COVID changing in and out, whether or not people are going to have to wear masks or not. Um, that's part of the, that's part of the whole thing is learning about civil disobedience. And that includes the idea of standing with others and protesting. It's not a picket. We're not trying to hold people away from entering any facilities or anything. We're not yelling at people. We're not doing anything like that. Peaceful protesting involves having really good messaging. Um, the anti-abortion uh, community, if you will, years ago, when they used to stand out in front of clinics, they literally tried to physically stop you know, a, a large portion of them tried to stop women from going into a clinic, women who were maybe just going to go in there to get, whether it was birth control pills or get a breast exam or, you know, whatever. And that then turned into the movement of trying to frighten people and block doorways and all of that stuff. We know that the anti-abortion movement where they had their real it was just a game changer for them was when they started coming out with these very large color photographs of fetuses. And there was that shaming aspect of trying to get people to not, you know, not people, couples, women, trying mm -hmm. to stop women from going in and literally even to discuss the possibility of terminating their pregnancy. So that was a big game changer. And that was years and years ago. And what we're looking at, is it may have this sort of similar optic in that why else would people be standing out in front of a medical facility? So immediately that was the pushback. Oh, you can't do this. You can't talk about going to pediatric gender clinics and protesting them because we're just going to look like those crazy, you know, anti-abortion people who hate women, hate abortion. They hate their feminists. They hate, you know, they hate women. Um, they're all homophobic. They're all right wing. The difference is here, just like it was with some other medical malpractice scandals that we've seen go on in the United States, because there have been many of them. Mm -hmm. There's a film. Um, there's a film that's got uh, in the title 
uh, the bleeding edge. I was thinking of bleeders, but it's called the bleeding edge. I recommend it to anybody. It's got a couple of different medical scandals mentioned in there. One has to do with the insertion of uh, knee. They're like, they're pieces of metal that went into people's bodies, you know, and they were leaking and all this stuff went on, but they just kept churning these products out. And another one had to do with women who were experiencing horrible issues with a vaginal mesh uh, material. And mm -hmm. I hadn't even known about that. So the bleeding edge is a great example to lead us into what do we have now in the United States with our insurance companies, with a different system. We don't have a national health system the way that they do in the UK. So what we have are massive profiteering from big pharma, um, doctors taking advantage, psychotherapists taking advantage of certain things where they're leading people right to the facility where puberty blockers might be mm -hmm. dispensed and planned parenthood planned parenthood is one of the biggest culprits of this whole thing because even though they're saying they're not distributing puberty blockers um, unless they get parental consent and all that there's an awful lot of stuff going on with planned parenthood that is a direct you know, if you can get if you can get youth on wrong sex hormones, you know, if they've gone from puberty blockers to wrong sex hormones, Planned Parenthood can recommend the doctor or the surgeon or whatever the pediatric clinic that will mm -hmm. do that. There's money being handed left and right about all this stuff. So, can I get a witnesses involved all year, every month, different cities? Some might be the same cities different locations that we're protesting in, different days of the week, different time, never know where we're gonna pop up. Could be more than once a month. And what I'm doing is helping give people these tools and this, this very basic thing as Americans that we have to come together, to peacefully protest, not block pathways, not yell at people, but carry the messages and also to hand out messages to any passersby or anything. And I know that this will be something that either, you know, you'll show later or whatever, and the links will be up, you know, in, in the thing under the video. Here's another thing I'll show you. Ah, there we go. There we go. So that's, <laughs> that's like one side of the card. There isn't yeah. like a front, a back, whatever. But if you'll see over on the, uh, in the corner there, there's a little thing that says Stella. I commissioned um, cartoonist, political cartoonist, Stella Parrott. She's in the UK. Stella put out a cartoon that got her, you know, taken away, banned from the communist newspaper, the Morning Star in the UK. She'd worked for them for five years doing political cartoons, doing a bang up job. And then she came out with a cartoon that had an alligator that was representing like trans activists and a big elevator coming into a little pond of newts that were saying, but this is our safe space. And they're in the water of a little pond. And the alligator says, that's okay. I'm transitioning to a newt or I'm identifying as a newt mm -hmm. or something like that. All the while the slather was, you know, coming out of, out of the alligator's mouth. Stella has made another career for herself here, working for activists. If she really believes in the causes and the things that they're doing, she will collaborate with people. In this draw, in this uh, rendition that she's done here, this was exactly what I told her I wanted. The colors of the trans flag on some sort of a curtain, looking into something that is going to turn anybody into a lifelong medical patient. Mm -hmm. She took actual bottles 
and looked at them up, looked them up online, and then made this rendition here with what we're looking at, an enormous needle with anybody that knows women who are taking testosterone. It's a very large needle that they are um, usually injecting into their thighs. Uh, so that was one thing. The estrogen pills, quite often that's what's going on. So, so pills or liquids sometimes. The Lupron was, is a product that was designed to men that were sex offenders to um, basically it's chemical castration. It had it's never been okayed on any medical level for what they're using it for, which is mm -hmm. to block puberty from even occurring. So you can imagine having a child that's, you know, 10 years old, 11, 12, 13, and they're on Lupron. They're growth is stunted. It affects bone density. It affects how our brains actually operate, how we think, the development of so many things. If you get that suppressed prior to entering puberty, and then you get put on the opposite sex or the wrong sex hormones, your body has not developed naturally. And that's where we're seeing thousands of what are called detransitioners now realizing the damage that may have happened to them, depending on what age they were. So that's one side of the card. And this is a handout that when passers-by at our protests, they reach out of the cars, they're walking by, you know, on the sidewalk, they're coming up and there's, there'll be a person at all the protests, literally hands them this five by seven card, uh, the back of the card, or the other side of the card, if you can bring that up. I will. Has some more of the messaging that we're looking at. And I'll start reading it as you are ready to bring go. it up. <laughs> Hold back the curtain. Back. And the reason for that is this whole thing around transgender ideology. Uh, this is not a civil rights movement. This is what it's been. You know, that's gotten all the liberals and the lefties thinking, well, you know, I'm so woke and I don't want to oppress anybody. It's not a civil rights movement. It's all about the money. This is an extremely well orchestrated for decades campaign about how to disassociate us from our bodies, our very sexed beings. Jennifer Billick is probably, you know, arguably the 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 one of the biggest um, exposers of this and who's behind all this is very wealthy, predominantly these white men that are behind this. Um, many of them are are transhumanists that are behind this whole thing. So when you look at Stryker, and I've got the gold bucket there, this is again, asking Stella to come up with something that was gonna be a card that I was gonna hand out and I wanted it to be around the drugs to the money. I will tell you that this writing on here that says puberty suppression hormones have never been approved by the F FDA, not for this purpose of blocking puberty. There are long-term effects of all that and combined with going on the cross-sex hormones, at some point, if a 23-year-old young woman wants to decide, you know, she's gone off of the hormones, she's already had a double mastectomy, now she's decided maybe she wants to get pregnant, she may not be able to. Mm -hmm. She might be sterile at that point. Same thing for a young man who's decided to be on estrogen for years and years. His sperm may not be fertile. And that can be a real wake up call when you're in your twenties and you know, our brains haven't even fully developed. Right. 25 and up. But since I created this card, 
I have the number over 35,000 girls on GoFundMe want their healthy breasts removed. It's closer to 40,000 now. And it's something that Jennifer Billick will be reporting about. Um, but for anybody that's wondering about this, we always say follow the money. It really brings it home, especially for parents who are the first ones hit besides their children getting sucked in and indoctrinated mostly on online through different kinds of tech, you know, forums like Tumblr and TikTok and I mean, even Facebook and all these different with Discord and Slack and they get into these groups and they're told they're trans mm -hmm. and it's become then the social contagion, you know, has spread and all of that. But the medical industry and these people with a lot of money that are hooked in with Lupron and all that, they're the ones that are really standing to make all the profits. And unfortunately, we are seeing insurance companies making lots of profit off of this. As I state here that as of January 1st in 2021 in California, there is no age limit for girls to have insurance companies pay for their healthy breasts to be removed. The age used to be 18. So that's what, that's what I'm involved with. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm getting this sort of what's become a community of people who like to be part of this. Can I get a witness? I started out with a conference last year. I made connections all over the world. People created their own projects. They're doing things that a lot of, a lot of them are underground that people don't even know about. Mm -hmm. um, I had been having in my mind for a long time that I wanted to do protesting against these pediatric clinics. And I wasn't sure how I was going to locate all these places. And then along comes somebody with a big, big tech brain. I don't know if you want to bring up that. Gender. I will, yes, our gender map. So yeah, the gender mapper is a project that many people now are working on and they have located it it's a global it's a global project i've shared this one with you because the united states as we know is huge it's 3000 miles across and another what 2000 miles or something uh between south to north um all of these dots represent different things we started out in boston where there was a protest on Saturday, May 22nd, just happened when you and I are recording this. I know it's the next day in Boston, the Boston Children's Hospital in 2007, that was a gender clinic and meaning that anybody pretty much 18 and up could go in to have a so-called sex reassignment surgery mm -hmm. started to happen. So it was one in 2007, 10 years later in 2017, we had about 55 that were found. Where we are now is closer to 800 spread all over the country. And I would say North America, because we're getting into examining what's going on in Canada, mm -hmm. which is the first place to start with self-ID, by the way. But of all of those clinics, there are about 300 pediatric clinics now. What we're finding is that a lot of the blue dots that you see, those are just regular, um, you know, gender clinics. And there are different categories 
different kinds of clinics for the different colored dots is what I'm told. I'm not specifically working as a gender mapper, but the people that are, I don't want to give away their whole system of what they're, what they're doing, but see the ones that are red with a big P. Yes. Those are clearly where they are going after these, these people, there've been complaints from Mm -hmm. those clinics. And if we were to be able to actively look at this and expand, you would see that they get more and more and more that are buried under there. What they're finding just in the past few months is that a lot of these gender clinics that were 18 and up, they really have become predatory now. They are pediatric. Now pediatric can mean 17 and under or 16 and under. So that imagine you just moved to, I don't know, Georgia, and you're wondering if there's any, you know, clinic there, and you're going to go on the websites, you're going to start putting in all the appropriate words to find your pediatric gender clinic. They're not necessarily calling them that. So I'll see something that says sex reassignment, or they don't say sex reassignment, they say gender reassignment, you know, Mm -hmm. surgeries, because, you know, the whole conflation has been sex and gender. So I might be a mom who's got a 14 year old daughter and she thinks that she's a boy and maybe she's done she's read her script online she knows exactly what to say and how to act and she scared the scared her parents to death and said if you don't let me be a boy i'm going to kill myself well that's mm-hmm. part of the script that's what they're supposed to right. say and they're teenagers like we all have been you know you can really play that up and get very dramatic about it all But now I'm really worried and I'm being told by all my friends too, that I should affirm my, I should affirm my daughter, but they're going to say your son and that my, my biological daughter has now been telling me for six months that she feels like a boy and she wants to be a boy and she Mm. wants to get a hold of some, you know, puberty blockers or cross hormones or something. So I'm in a panic and I look online and I find some clinic in say Georgia, I'm just throwing it out there. And I call and I say, my 14 year old uh, son is really dysphoric about his periods. Now, how crazy does that even sound that I'm saying that, right? Right, totally. But the person on the other end of the phone says, oh yes. And how old is your your son again? Mm -hmm. He's 14. And I kind of go back, I might say she, he, she, because I'm still confused, right? And that's what's happening. That's what's happening with a lot of these parents. And what's happening on the receiving end of that, in a lot of these cases, is that that receptionist is saying, well, you know, when I say, what kind of gender affirming services do you provide? They're going to talk up, they're going to talk up a storm, they're going to tell you all kinds of stuff, and you're going to have an earful that will blow your mind. Yeah. And the thing is that legally, most of this stuff is covered because it's all under what's called experimental. And all you have to do is talk to some of these people that have signed their, you know, signed their names away. And you can take that map down if you want. Now, one of the things that one of the things I wanted to share with you is that when we're at these protests, Mm -hmm. This is one of the things that when people are driving by in cars or they're on the sidewalk, they're passing by, there are different talking points. There's part of the gender map that's already outdated. I made this several weeks ago and the numbers are much bigger. 
That's an actual, looks like a loop. Yeah. Which is the same as the that. drawing we just saw from Stella. And then there are other talking points here. This is people walk away with this. And if they want to argue with this or say we've made this up or something, they can find this information. Right. Is that for a lot of people, they don't even know this is going on and they're blown away. And they may walk away from somebody they've gotten this at the protest, look at this stuff, come back and said, I didn't know they were doing that mm -hmm. at this clinic. How do I, how do I get connected to you or whatever? But this is what's happening with this informed consent, which is what we have in the United States with all this. So even a woman my age, and I'm in my 60s now, and say I wanted to go get a phalloplasty. And that's where they're either going to take a part of the skin from my arm mm -hmm. or my thigh to create this basically Frankenstein-like phallus. But I've never, if anything happens to me, I can't sue them. Mm -hmm. And it's because of informed consent. And it sounds like something like this. And this is what's on, one, of, one of the many yeah. things that's on the back of this. Doctors are hiding behind the informed consent model. Patients are told that they signed consent, they were warned, and no one is responsible for the devastation that's been done to their lives and health. We sign consent for other surgeries, and yet we still expect to be able to sue when we're harmed. But we do know because of things like the vaginal mesh thing that I brought up earlier about that film, yeah. The Bleeding Edge, the United States, separate from this medical scandal that we're dealing with now, there have been tons of medical scandals that have happened. And until it has affected us or somebody in our family or somebody that we're close to in the neighborhood or something, we often don't find out about these things until there's a class action suit mm -hmm. or something that just is too overwhelming. And then lawyers who are willing to take such a thing on. And this idea of standing in front of not just pediatric gender clinics, which I've chosen the pediatric, not the ones that are 18 and up. Because if you told me you wanted to have a double mastectomy and you're clearly 18 and over, I don't have a right to say to you, you shouldn't do that unless mm -hmm. I'm really close with you. And I tell you that it really concerns me. Um, you know, your body's not fully developed yet. You know, your brain hasn't developed. And what if you want to have a child and breastfeed someday or, you know, whatever. And breasts, as most women are now because of this debate and everything coming up, but we're learning about what breasts actually do and how it affects our whole, our mm -hmm. whole endocrine system. Again, brain development, everything, right. You know, health, having healthy breasts removed is a huge deal. Right. And it prevents the overall health of, you know, our normal bodies. So anyway, uh, one of the things about that is that I'm in contact with women who call themselves desisters. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of women in Canada that I know. I've had a, a, you know, a relationship now with both of these women for a while. One of the things that they have made very clear to me, knowing that I was moving into this kind of organizing, is to say to them, they said they want to make sure that we're showing the images. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at first, but I thought, well, I remember seeing Kelly J for Standing for Women. Right. This in 2019. I think it was June of 2019. 
that woman knows advertising and she knows shock value. And I don't know if she would do it again. I haven't spoken with her about that, but I've heard both sides of the argument around showing an image of a person's body, you know, that's been medicalized. I know that it didn't used to be legal um, to do something like that, that surgeons couldn't advertise unless it was right. a nose job. Right. And someone was willing to show their photo, you know, before and after. There's a lot of debate about this. And I'm not saying that there's, I'm not going to lay down and say, this is right. Mm -hmm. And this is wrong. But I do know that my philosophy, when I saw standing for women do that, I went that and, and our duty, that was the other group out of England. Yeah. These were huge images. One was of a phalloplasty. Another one was of a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And we're talking like four foot high, you know, three feet wide or bigger images in color. And the women, the desisters, they don't call themselves detransitioners as they both have said, I never went anywhere. I didn't right. to transition. I yeah. decided to desist from being a medical patient for life. Uh -huh. That's where they're coming from. And they said to me, Joey, if you're going to launch with this, if you're going to do this, we really want an image out there and make it be big enough so that people can't turn away. Or if they do, they're going to remember what they saw because for both of these women who are now almost 40 years old, both of them also did this for a period of a decade. Mm -hmm. Each one did it for nine years. Another one did it for 10 or 11. They are older now and they see that and said that, and they're not in the United States and they're both in Canada. And they told me if there had been anybody that they saw a group of parents, people, anybody young, old, religious or not, if they had seen somebody holding any signs like that, they never would have had their breasts cut off Yeah, because it would have caused that pause. And I used to be involved in professional photography. I've been in advertising in and out and promotions and things like that. And I knew when I saw that stuff that it shocked me and having just come off of a protest protest yesterday, one in Boston, um, an action that happened in Rio de Janeiro which was only with one very brave woman and her husband filming her where she talked about she's part of this global movement. Mm -hmm. And then in Washington state where there were are the group that's happening there, it's bigger. And they had, they had a couple of different images with double mastectomies. And they told me that people were driving by slowing down, hooping and hollering and thumbs up that they got more positive yeah. than they got any pushback. And they said something about, you know, like a guy driving down the street or whatever in the truck and that he started to look off, you know, and, and people pull over and they ask, what are you doing? You know, sure. seeing all these messages, like who is Kira Bell? You know, do you know what your kids are watching on YouTube? That's yeah. another line that I had yeah. made. These things were, these signs were professionally done. And in the Washington crew, there's a woman who's really good at making uh, signs and she makes them colorful and they're uh -huh. big. And she had some of her own signs. And what she did in Washington state was name the clinic that they were standing in front of, you know, mm -hmm. she named and said they're, they are um, mutilating children here, right. you know, um, I take the more radical approach that way. I am not saying that I'm right. I'm not saying that it is the most ethical thing to do. That's for everybody to decide. Right. But I'm not going to be bullied or have anybody tell me, especially somebody on Twitter. 
I'm a detransitioner and that's horrible and you're triggering people and this and that. And it's like, okay, you feel like that. Yeah. It doesn't make you right and me wrong. And if anything, I got so much support yesterday from detransition, detransitioners and others who mm-hmm. saw this stuff. But for me, it's all, it's kind of like, it's right there. We did the po- protest in Boston. I decided it was too dangerous. Right. They were, was really inner city. You've got a hospital that's open. People are coming and going, depending on the town, depending on the day of the week, depending on how many people are actually in the protest, um, what the crowds can be like. In Boston, they told me, and they had no double mastectomy image there. In Boston, they told me they had a lot of youth, like they looked like university students or something that were way off on... um, a bridge path mm-hmm. that goes between the hospitals or something. They were yelling things at them about, you know, being transphobes and stuff like that. And they could have walked right over and had conversations with the protesters and they didn't do it. Right. So a lot of bark, a lot of barking was going on. They said, you know, some people drove by and gave him the finger, you know, one woman gave him a finger, other people, you know, kind of yelled out cars, but they got people walking up and the best story. And this, this has happened at a couple of these protests was a man that was driving by in a truck and he kept apparently he was yelling something where they didn't know what this guy was yelling and then he pulled his truck over got out of his truck and when i was first hearing this story i thought oh yeah. my god what did he do my heart's already going like this just hearing the story <laughs> out of his truck comes over shakes everybody's hands blessing them and saying i work here yeah. I pray for these kids every day thank yeah. you so much for what you're doing tears in their eyes And there's the thing when people think about, well, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, you know, Newsmax, even people aren't coming out. Fox isn't coming. They're not coming out and filming these people. I have been sending press releases every location. I send Mm -hmm. press releases out a few hours ahead of time, not days ahead because leaks can happen. And I know there could be a trans activist working in that station or whatever. I send out to the major people and then I reach out to local people, to the local mm-hmm. media. I let the police know in every area a few hours ahead where we're going to be, what we're doing, who to talk to, because right. I have a point person. Right. And when people say, oh, last minute, can I come join your protests and stuff? I'm sorry, you can come cheer us on uh-huh. and you can be right there close, but I don't let just anybody like pop in. These things have a specific model there's a protocol that i follow mm-hmm. that has to do with safety and safety that also is married with publicity people go right well if you can't maintain the semblance of working together and having each other's backs you're not going to have the same confidence as mm-hmm. somebody that just comes in or whatever Nothing is ever guaranteed in our very violent country that everybody's going to be safe all the time and that nobody's going to come do anything weird or whatever. Yeah. And how are you finding these allies who you get to do these protests? A lot of phone calls and friends of friends through political angles, uh, committees. I got somebody actually through WLRN who happened to know somebody that was involved with a green party somewhere. Uh And that's this dude came through who's been a seasoned activist and is feeling 
very concerned about his party and why that's being captured, just like every party is being captured. Again, this isn't about Democrat versus independent versus mm -hmm. Green Party versus Republican. It's all about the money, yeah. all about the money and lobbyists. And so finding people is, it's a lot of word of mouth. It's developing relationships like this. Yeah. Much of it started when I was developing the relationships that I did for this idea of doing the Can I Get a Witness conference, mm -hmm. which was an idea I had in April of 2019. When I got kicked off Twitter, I went, hmm, what do I do now? <laughs> I need to have a conference. And I had just a very old school conference in mind in the San Francisco area. Yeah. And and in my brain, in April of 2019, I thought, huh, if I do that, it's going to take me this much time to find a place. It's going to cost me this much money. I'm going to think of who the speakers are. How can I fly this person out here? I'm going to have to charge. I'm going to have to create a company in order to... All this stuff went on, but I thought August of 2020. That was in my brain in April 2019. Mm -hmm. And of course, who knew? Everybody knows now what happened in March. Exactly. And when that happened... I had to find somebody that was a tech person like you who <laughs> helped me run the board, as they say. I mean, I worked at radio stations. I have mm -hmm. done editing for local television, things like that, way back in the day with half-inch black and white reel-to-reel -reel videotapes. Right, you're right. Literally, you're literally slicing and making your edits, and you have to be just precision, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so I had all that kind of stuff in my head. And that has influenced also this idea of visuals. And I brought this thing up about double mastectomy. And, right. I, don't mean, and I don't want to promote this idea that, that, like I said, that is not something that happens at every protest. But it did happen in Los Angeles back in March when I chose to work with Partners for Ethical Care. Mm -hmm. I presented them with the idea of my skills, my background about de-escalation how to set up a safe protest and how to get publicity about it because like i said the general mainstream is not coming to us right so i have i have a massive social media i say massive at this point um the numbers that have been estimated at this point with the march effort that i did which involved new york utah and Los Angeles. There were photographs, there were little movies. I've got this great gal in New York who's got massive talent around creating imagery and doing things. She's got her own YouTube channel anyway, where she's been going after trans activists now for mm -hmm. years. And um, so out of New York, I got footage that had a specific flavor of that march. There was no double mastectomy image there. They were smack in the middle of Chelsea, of the Chelsea district, which is like the right. gay district uh -huh. in New York City, you know, on a Sunday morning, really early in the morning, and it was cold. And, you know, that went on and that created a certain amount of footage and images mm -hmm. that were very different than go to Utah, where you got like just under 20 people, all Mormons. And there's the working across the aisle. Right. I don't care when people are yelling at me and saying, you're working with those people. I said, who are those people anymore? How dare you? Right. You know, this, this whole thing of right and left, when my entire Democratic Party that I've been a part of and a lefty, 
not as far left as other friends of mine who've been in the Green Party or the Peace and Freedom Party or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. How dare they do what they're doing and what the Biden administration, we all know right. this Equality Act was going to screw and throw women and girls under the mm-hmm. bus. But my God. Anyway, in, in Utah, I've got just under 20 people of Mormon faith who put on a, who put the protest on there with same signage. They had a double mastectomy image. They chose not to have, mm-hmm. they had it. They chose not to use it. Why? For a very good reason, because the man that, that was my marshal at that protest, where they were going to be standing right across from where they would be protesting. And that means just, it's a line of people mm-hmm. that just, you know, six feet apart. They got the messages, quiet, peaceful. They might be smiling at people. There's no arguing. There's no fighting that goes on. There's one person to talk to the cops or the press. Mm-hmm. Somebody else might be handing out the, the brochures. They saw that the, that the glass building across the street that housed kids that were healing from hip, you know, hip injuries and legs and broken legs and arms and, and whatever heart, it, all kinds of different medical issues. Mm-hmm. Kids are in rooms and they could have seen that. So my marshal then made the right choice. Yeah, totally. But in Los Angeles, now you've got after Utah, it's just about finished. Now in Los Angeles, they break out mm-hmm. and they have a double mastectomy image. And there was one of the dads that was holding that sign. I created handles behind it, literally, so they could hold this mm-hmm. sign. Up. And it's a very large image of a gal who's now in her 20s and showing off her body. This wasn't one of those things where the doctor is standing right next to it, you know, literally showing her body off. I altered tattoos. I closed some things off. And a man was holding that up. And that was in front of one of the butchers we call her Mm -hmm. in this country of Joanna Olson Kennedy at the Los Angeles Children's Hospital where she's got a big clinic and they're just making money, 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 money and brag about two trans a day, at least two trans a day. No, it's two young women a day. Right. Come in, that's four breasts a day are Mm -hmm. being removed at least minimum, which leads me to another thing I'm not going to get into, but where are those breasts going and who's making off of glandular material? Uh-huh. What are they doing with them? Because that's not something like when I go to the dentist and say, Mayor, and you're the dentist, can I keep that tooth you just pulled out? I want to give it to my kid or, you know, just have it for a weird. No, you're not going to say, let me have my breasts, one of my breasts. Mm-hmm. No. So they did do that in Los Angeles. And it was very interesting. I just say interesting at the time, because again, that's the first time in this right. country that that has happened and it got visuals, you know? And the thing is, and here's the good story out of that is that one of the moms who I spoke with and I had met on the phone weeks before the protest, we were just talking about the the craziness and the madness about all this stuff. And I mentioned double mastectomy. I said that is just, I just let it, you know, fall out my mouth. Mm -hmm. She started crying. And I immediately felt guilty. And I said, I'm so sorry, because of course she's dealing with this in her own family. Sure. She's devastated. The devastation that these families, their siblings yeah. of the kids that say I'm the opposite sex now, how that affects the whole family history right? and everything that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to look at the whole picture of this. Mm-hmm. Here's these, that's why these parents who need to be heard 
their voices. The articles are coming out more and more and more. Most of them can't give their real names because they're going to lose their lose their jobs. Right. You are listening to WLRN. This mom that started crying and I started apologizing to her, she says, you know, I just, I'm just very tender about it. It's okay. And I'm like, for me, I'm like, I'm not going to bring this up again. You know, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to, she was telling me how frightened she was, but she felt like she really wanted to do this because if her daughter ever said to her, what did you do to help? Then she could say, Hey, I was at right. the testing, you know, right. This woman, it was great. was after the protest and she went, everybody has a role. Mm-hmm. In my protests, and I didn't invent this, I know from trial and error about being involved right. in movements. I was involved in the, in the anti-nuclear movement. I was involved in uh, animal rights stuff. And that's another thing maybe we'll get into. But those things all inform. You know, the older you get, the more experiences you've had, the things that you realize, oh, my God, I never should have done this that way. This is how I'll do this thing better. Somebody else does something, you see it and say, wow, I really like what you did. You know, I'm gonna to try to incorporate that. It takes years to develop that stuff, right. experiences. And there are a lot of just these people that they've never done it before. And they're like, like I said, let me join you, this and that. This mom that just got super upset, she got the role of being the photographer. And guess what? If I said to you, hey, mayor, you say, I wanna be involved in your protest. And I go, great, okay. There are certain roles that people have. They're either going to be safety monitors. They're going to be carrying the signs. They're going to be involved with shooting some video. They're going to be the photographer. Mm -hmm. They're going to be the person that's standing way far away who's watching the whole thing because they're also, I've got a whole security thing in place, which Mm -hmm. I'm not going to give everything away, of course, here. But the photographer, they're supposed to do no matter, no matter if somebody's been pushed or shoved or something goes down. Even if it's a loved one, they're standing at a distance and they see their loved one get, you know, hit or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe the person just falls and faints from whatever medical condition, the heat of the day, their whole job, keep taking pictures because yeah. at that point, it's like a war journalist, you know, it's like a photojournalist in a war scene or whatever. I don't want to say it akin to a war, but I mean, anything that can get you going That person has to keep taking pictures. So all of a sudden she had that job and she's never done that before. Yeah. I talked to her about it a little bit and the other people, you know, her, her people, like I said, I try to build teams, not just Mm -hmm. protesters showing up. She had that job and you know what? So she said she was really nervous when she started. We did a debriefing later. She sent me still images and she sent me a couple of clips that I could use that I was able to produce something, you know, that's, that's a a, a video clip out of this. She said, Joey, I was so terrified for the first like 15 minutes and she was moving her camera. And then she said, I went from being really nervous and I wasn't sure exactly. I tried to remember what you told me about what to take pictures of and all that. But then I went from being really nervous. And when the camera went over the dad that was holding the double mastectomy sign. She said, mm-hmm. I was so angry. I wanted to give up my job, 
and run over there and re- take that sign yeah. from him. And I wanted to show it to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, that's where she went. And it was sure. like, whoa. And she said, when's the next protest? Oh, that's amazing. And so there's, that was her response to that. Yeah. Say that that's a right or a wrong response. Exactly. Mother who's losing part of her daughter, literally. And to have that kind of reaction, you know, and go back and you asked me about how my recruiting people and stuff. Yeah. That's word of mouth. And so exactly. that woman is trying just like the other men and women that took, that take part in these protests, they might find one person. Right. That they are involved with the same thing that you may know people, even yourself might be involved in that. If you reveal that you're even willing to ask questions about mm-hmm. this two plus two equals five world that we're living in, you're risking losing a job. You're risking losing a family member. You're risking losing a lover. You're risking losing other, your, your kids. You're risking mm-hmm. losing your neighbor. You're risking losing a friend you've had for 40 years. I know people and have heard stories that are all devastating. Yeah just devastating the losses but it's word of mouth mostly and then it gets to where they've introduced me like if you had a friend and I say introduce me next thing I'm on the phone with them or I'm doing a zoom with them right so there's some vetting there that happens too a lot of vetting yeah good there there are weeks that lead up to them even being in Mm -hmm. and one of the things when I was working with this organization that wanted to start to review what it was that I was, I might change, or I might say, particularly if I said, uh, that person, you know, that I'm seeing in the Zoom right now, like if I was talking with you and you said, I'd like to do this. And if you reveal to me that, you know, you've got a bit of an anger issue and mm-hmm. not that you like it, but you'll try really hard and you'd like to be in the protest. And I'd say, well, how does that, how does your anger work out? And you go, well, this guy at the store really pissed me off. And I know I shouldn't have done it, but I hit him. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, okay, Mm -hmm. mayor, I'm sorry, but I just can't. (laughs) Yeah. I can't have you in the protest. Probably, Probably. And this has happened with a couple of people. They go, you're right. Yeah. I like the idea of it more than I feel like I can trust myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's okay. But then you could change, you could turn on me later and then go in social media and say, mm. Joey Bright made up all this shit about me and said that I couldn't be part of the protest. Right. I can't stop that. And I'm not going to try to, you know, the thing is, our reputations follow us. There mm-hmm. are certain people. My thing is not, this is not about a popularity contest where I see everybody's going to like me. Right. I am very much into deconstructing things. I'm always asking questions, not just Mm -hmm. follow the money, but what are the reasons behind why this man or woman made this decision or what they're doing or how they're doing it. And people know that I have that kind of eye. So sometimes it can be like, "Mm, do I want to tell Joey that thing? And I'm at... I mean, now because of the articles that I've, that I've written, people are contacting me about all kinds of very strange things that are going sure. on, in you know, parts of the community that even the feminist press doesn't want to cover. Mm-hmm. So I've already noticed at this point, how many protests have I helped to either come up with the idea or I have specifically orchestrated every aspect of it, except being there. 
Right. And that's been February, March, April, and May. I got four of these now in this, all except for January. Mm -hmm. I got four of these under my belt. We've had different cities. I've already got two more cities committed now for June. I'm looking at one in July that might be brand new. I mean, we literally technically went international with the one yesterday because of this wonderful journalist who's there. And she's been part of this community of fighting the trans activism because she's a mom. Right. She's an activist and she's a feminist. So anyway, it's, it's a lot of different methods that go on and there's training that goes on and it's a lot psychological and my main thing also mayor is that i want when i have a marshal for a protest it can be a man or a woman Mm -hmm. but i want to make sure if there are enough women in that protest for the person whether it's a man or a woman that has the bullhorn that's the marshal that's the one everybody's supposed to pay attention to they can also set off an alarm. If something weird's going on, that alarm gets set off, we're done. Okay. You know, we don't, we're not there to prove that we're tougher or we can take this or that. No. Safety right. is the utmost and you don't do that overnight. But that woman, I always say to them, make sure that during the time period when the protest is going on, Make sure that mayor gets to hold the bullhorn and that mayor gets to lead a chant or that mayor mm-hmm. gets to give, if you've never had a bullhorn and you're like, I don't want, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I've never done it. You're going to be urged to do that. Sure. And the moment, especially for women that they get a bullhorn in their hands, even if they go, Hey, Hey, USA. Yeah. That even if they were never cheerleaders in high school, or even if they were right giving voice and how that goes through the body and how that turns into the potential for leadership. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that I want to do. I want to grow a team. And there, like I said, there are mostly women, but men. And now the one that I just had in Washington and in Boston, there were more than a couple of men involved. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be more women, I think, but there are men are finally starting to go, wait a minute. Yeah. And uh, so, yes. And that's, that's been interesting to have men and women working together on this. Yeah. I bet it has. And I'm also noticing more, I think men starting to wake up and, and see what's going on. I'm also curious what is your vision long-term for these pediatric gender clinic protests? What does that look like to you? That they're all shut down and that a lot of these mm-hmm. people that are doing this, like Joanna Olson Kennedy, that the next time I see her, she's got bars in front of her face. Yeah. I mean, seriously, there's, there's, there are, there's a guy named Dr. Crane Dr. Crane, some people might know about Dr. Crane here in the United States because he is a butcher. He, he did horrible damage and there's, there's an individual in this country and her, her name is, she goes by Scott Nugent. There are a lot of people that, oh, there's an ally in this and that. Mm-hmm. I can have my differences about you know Scott and I don't like the platforming of people that still are practicing 24 seven, you know, sort of faking that mm-hmm. they're the opposite sex. And I'll tell you where I think Scott's role, that's just me, when there is anything going on legislatively and any of these people like her, 
that have had their bodies experimented with and she can't, you know, it's past the statute of limitations now. Right. Scott can't do anything about that. But Scott's doctor, this guy Crane, he is running around doing, so he had nine, eight or nine malpractice suits against him when Scott unfortunately did not do, I think, her homework at the time to see mm-hmm. that this is a guy that had other malpractice suits against him, like red flag, red flag. Right. And also the surgery, the surgery that she had done, very experimental, very life-threatening, very dangerous. And, um, oh, I would have been vetting that guy, you know, from here on in. I'm, and yeah. a lot of people do. And it's extremely unfortunate for her that she had that. And I feel for her that she is still has to suffer from this butcher of a creep right. that's going around. Well, guess what? I find out that this guy has just performed... 20 phalloplasties in another country in another country this guy that still has malpractice suits against him Mm -hmm. here in the united states who benefits from that why is anybody allowing this guy who's butchered people here in the united states and he's getting paid and flown to do this same procedure that he did with scott i'm assuming i don't know if it's the exact same one but but a phalloplasties yeah what the hell are we doing? And, and, and America has always done with our medical system. Right. Like I said, I go back to that documentary. I go back to the vaginal mesh. I go back to when they were starting to experiment. And, and I don't think they had had long drug trials with the birth control pill. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we do. It's just about money. Right. And we don't have a national health system you know, overseeing everything. But the FDA that's supposed to oversee things here like Lupron, mm-hmm. you know, like a chemically castrating drug that's being used now. If I decide that my four-year-old boy is showing signs of doing girl things that, oh, he must be a little girl. Let's put him in a pretty dress and let's go on. And then we're going to put him on, you know, Lupron or something. Right. We've got what we have Munchausen by proxy symptoms oh, going on all over the place. Yeah. We've got marriages breaking up, divorces, horrible family splits going on because one parent has decided they're just going to go along with affirmation. Mm-hmm. And the other one is saying, this is insane, or at least can we slow down and see what's up? No, we've got to hurry up. Our kid has said they're going to commit suicide. Again, very well orchestrated. There's a script. Yeah. All this stuff. But you're saying that about, um, you know, men and women. And, and of course I think they always want to, you know, say, well, there are more women involved because they're the moms. And it's like, there are some situations where I've talked to fathers that have the ex-wives now. Right. Have divorced them, taken the kid, gotten full custody. And they're basically transing their kid. Right. And the father has no say. And we've just seen what's happened in Canada and I can say, you know, the name out loud, I believe at this point, Mr. Hoogland, mm-hmm. when he got put in jail, it wasn't because he refused to give testosterone to his daughter, but because he talked about it. And Canada has put a blackout on the rest of their citizens knowing what's going on, that a parent lost parental rights because he talked about it. And of course, before that had to deal with being in a courtroom and being told by a judge 
to stop referring to his biological daughter as his daughter. Right. Right. We've seen in Australia where a couple lost their 15 year old girl who they refused to go along with this idea that she could get testosterone. Mm -hmm. Australia's heating up. New Zealand is heating up. Many countries are hiding these pediatric gender clinics. People Mm -hmm. know they can go for plastic surgery for so-called sex changes, which isn't real and all kinds of other things. All they're doing is changing through drugs and surgeries, the secondary sex characteristics that we all display. Right. And anyway, ask me something else. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will. Well, I'm also really excited to ask you, what about those women who are not necessarily in an area where they can protest? Do you have any recommendations for how they can get involved as well? So I do have people just in the last, uh, in the, within these months of these protests going on, and it's going to be coming up. They're literally either jumping on a plane or they are driving with other people from the mm-hmm. city or the town that they are in to get to the, the place. Often what's happening, and I can tell you right here, I'm in the Bay Area of San Francisco. I don't have an immediate protest scheduled here mm-hmm. because this city, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, and even Vancouver across the border. It would be like me sending people out. They might as well stand out in the middle of a, of a major intersection with no clothes on and right. your arms out like this and surrender. Right. Um, I, you know, like I said, I can only guide people so far, give people say, but one of the things that I can do is my due diligence as somebody, as an activist, trying to be as careful as I can mm-hmm. about the city or the town, the, the cultural atmosphere that's going on there, the activism with local people, the trans activism that we know about, um at some point there will be a protest in the greater bay area sure i've got more than 50 families to tap into here and you know not one of them feels comfortable enough why also in the bay area because we are sitting right where i want to call it incel land is what i call Mm -hmm. um, silicon valley Uh (laughs) i mean um yeah anybody that works in tech understands this and so you know, they have a lot to protect and everything. And they're very violent. Yes. Um, with Can I Get a Witness, I had a woman on who became a friend. She's somebody that her and her lover were at something called the Dyke March, which always takes place the mm-hmm. night before the major. Now it's just called Pride March. It used to be the Lesbian and Gay Parade. And now it's called Pride March or whatever. But they were attacked right. at the Dyke March in 2018. I mean, physically knocked to the ground just because one of them had a sign up that said something like change society, not your body. Right. And we know that just chewing bubble gum now makes you transphobic unless you're sharing your gum, I guess, with somebody who calls right. trans. We have to invite everybody into everything, which, which eliminates boundaries, right? So the thing that you said to me, what was that? What was the... the um, Please bring it back to me because I know that I've wandered here. Uh, it was more around, uh, what about the women who aren't maybe in an area where they can protest? Right, the geography. Yeah, so exactly. They are coming, driving cars, yeah. um, carpooling, 
but why I brought up San Francisco, thank you for bringing me back. Yes. Because if they are in a town like San Francisco, where I'm saying, no, I'm yeah. not doing a protest tomorrow here. Um, that means that they are driving to where they feel like they can and mm. where it's been deemed as it's always a risk, but where it's been deemed safer. And then they are away from their town and that makes them feel better as well. Yeah. So they find out about this via either social media or a friend that connected up with me, social media, and then they've connected me. And now I'm on the phone and now I'm doing a zoom and all that. Right. Usually once they get sold on it and the more of these videos that come out and the more pictures, that's why the men are so important. So that other men see that because yes. in America, men hide behind this idea of bravado, you know, mm -hmm. that they won't get involved because they say, I'm just too pissed off. I don't want to like, I might just punch somebody. And I look at them and say, you're lying. Mm hmm. And it starts to kind of melt a little bit, you know, they're yeah. doing this in front of their wives and their girlfriends, but I'm like, yeah. and the men that have come forward and done this, they're right on men. They're yeah. right on humans. I know that these guys, they're good with their, that their girlfriends or their wives mm -hmm. or their sisters or their moms. And they have good attitudes. They may not be, you know, they may not be the most uh, radical, you know, feminist ally or whatever. And some of them are. So, you know, just like the range among yeah. men. Yeah. But um, I need people that are level-headed. I don't care men or women. Right. American men tend to act like I can't go because I'll just get too mad. And I just go, I think you're not brave enough to keep your shit together. Do you think your wife wouldn't get that angry? Right. Like, why wouldn't your wife or your girlfriend? And now you're talking about your kid. Mm -hmm. And if your kid asked you later, dad, what did you do? And then I can see sometimes it comes on their face like that, because really to me, they don't have a freaking excuse. I say, I joke around, buy a blonde wig, get them fake glasses right. I tell them, get on Amazon, buy a right. beer, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Because Americans have become so soft and this year in 2021, Americans have also become terrified because of the way that we saw protests happen last year. Right. But that was a captured movement. People right. don't understand what happened with BLM. BLM was great when it first came out as an idea, raise awareness, let people know that we've got systemic racism in different areas and whatever in this whole country. These are my thoughts have been mm -hmm. founded on systemic racism. How do we deal with that? keep our eyes open, look at the disproportionate number of black women, black women, not just promoting this idea of black men being targeted, right? Murder rates, everything. So BLM, when that came out right in Oakland, California was, I thought a great idea when it absolutely very quickly became captured though, by trans activists, mm -hmm. people don't realize that they still have it as their banners on Facebook, their stuff on their social media, anywhere like BLM, black lives matter. What they don't realize is how that has changed to black trans lives matter. Yes. It, with everything has become an infiltration, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, it's like with big pharma and everything make people think that something's around one thing mm -hmm. and then start to creep in. It's just like what they're doing to kids in schools with sex. Mm -hmm. Again, not calling it sex. They're telling kids there are over a hundred genders and your kids in kindergarten. 
Right. Right. And it goes from using cartoon images to literally porn that have mm-hmm. been drawn images of what physical bodies can possibly do with each other. I right. Can't, I can't freaking believe it. I, I've had parents, I've had people, once they see what's going on with a sex education, as we used to call it, yeah, kids in public schools, some are happening in the private schools, mm-hmm. but that is where people go, where did this come from? What's going on? Look at your YouTube influencers. Look at what your kids are getting taught yep. in school. Get your face off of your own phone. Do not let your kids get babysat by the tablet or the phone or whatever, and let them just be in their room. And oh, isn't that wonderful? They're in their they're in their Zoom class right now. And you look, and the kids in Tumblr, right, talking to that thirty year old guy. Your kid's fifteen years old. She thinks maybe she might be a lesbian, or she's been told she's trans. You don't even know it. And now she's talking to a man who's thirty, who's saying he's a lesbian, and he's got a lady dick. Right boundaries mm-hmm. are being erased and that's right. how this stuff is happening or a lot of parents don't want to hear how somebody like me will say are you paying attention are you yeah. really paying attention to what your kid is looking at online and they think that's an exaggeration too they yeah. don't understand that everything you just said is actually what is happening or there are models in sex education classes to teach third graders what rimming is. Those things are actually happening and people don't get that. The, not, the connection between pornography yeah. and a five-year-old being able to be on, you know, on a tablet. Right. And literally seeing pornography. And on the other end of that, and this will go back to an article that I wrote in the, in the fall, maybe they get a hold of something because they really like Buck Angel mm-hmm. and they start following Buck Angel on Twitter and Buck Angel has this very trampa. Now Buck has chosen this whole, yes. Susan has chosen this whole innocent image of being like a role model. You know, when she started doing testosterone and, and, and she never went the phalloplasty router, it doesn't matter. She had a double mastectomy. She got right. a male porn. I know right. that I saw it. Right. And I saw her in real life and I watched my whole lesbian community. We were the first lesbians and, and, you know, you want to say the more gender Mm non-conforming, the butch, uh, the more butch women. I'm not going to get into arguing. What does that mean? Any of that stuff. We were targeted. Right. We were targeted back in the nineties with little vials coming at the pop-up bars at lesbian bars to the more butch looking women with testosterone pills in a little mm-hmm. container for free told here i got what you i got what you need mm-hmm. i got what you're wanting and you think about a black community inner city why was crack cocaine right. so popular because it got infiltrated in there and it right. ripped out families and got, that's where when i knocked those pills out of a Mm -hmm. hand of a friend of mine outside of one of those lesbian pop-up bars with this metrosexual guy coming around with this little vial and a friend of mine at the time that she would pop anything in her mouth i said what are you doing and she said it looks good you know she popped a few i knocked him out of her hand this guy went skedaddling when i told him get the hell out of here Uh and then now i regret that because i wish that i had acted interested and said Hey, what's your name? Yeah, exactly. Where are you from? 
where'd you get this? Yeah, I didn't do Mm -hmm. it. And we look at the infiltration of where they come for people in this country trying to get women to be um, sterilized. What do we have? Black and brown bodies mostly. We're looking at women. Right. You know, they want to control the population. And when these pills started happening with testosterone and they're going, okay, there were just a handful of us lesbians that were Mm -hmm. going, wait a minute. And most of us butch lesbians that said, what's going on? Because when the tea came in, it was like, right. And of course, money and this and that. But I thought they were coming after us. And I thought they had already gotten gay men, some AIDS. And then I thought they're coming after the lesbians. I never thought they'd go after kids. Right. And I think that that's so interesting. I did an interview with Sheila Jeffries a couple months ago, who was telling me about how lesbians have historically been the safeguarders of children against, I would just say, male sexual rights. I really believe that a lot of the trans movement is a male sexual rights movement. And I find it so interesting that so many um, child-free lesbians by choice are the primary safeguarders of these children who are being medically trans. Well, there's that. And then you can look at also when gay men were suffering terribly mm-hmm. from this horrible, you know, back in the early eighties, people yeah. were like, what the hell is going on? And they, all the, the cankers, the, everything that was happening, it was less, a lot of lesbians that were friends with gay men right. who sat by their beds, who held their hands, who, you know, literally cleaned wounds, who, who helped them to pass into the next world. Um, lesbians, I think, and, and, you know, because we've been on the forefront of so much oppression, gay men and lesbians can share certain parts of that to understand. And I worked with a lot of gay Mm -hmm. men politically and I'm friends with some gay men. Now I always have had a something while we share certain things, there's other things about, we've got the double thing of going on that we're female as well. So of course we can relate, even if we're not being sexually active with men, we care about birth control. We care about abortion or access to abortion or the right of a woman to have her own agency and decide what to do. But the idea also for me, and I can say, because I'm in my sixties, is that the idea of being a lesbian or even just say same sex attracted, that was associated much of my life with the idea that the religious right and people that were very, very religious, they conflated same-sex attraction as also being this close to pedophilia. Right. Mm -hmm. So for the majority of my life, I I didn't become a school teacher because I have other friends that became teachers that were, some that were very feminine and some that were more masculine. And as soon as they found out that they were lesbians, they get fired. This mm-hmm. is before, you know, all the laws and the this and the that, but just the implication of that, I can dig being around kids. I could right. dig the idea of working with very young children to just be free and get rid of this gender crap that gets mm-hmm. forced on all of us. And what would that look like? You know, a gender free world, but I didn't dare do it because I knew that if I ever looked at a, a girl or a boy a certain way 
or if I happen to comfort them by even touching them on the right. shoulder, which is how one of my friends got fired because her comforting a little boy on the shoulder when he was crying, they turned that into a sexual advance. Mm -hmm. And it's that mentality. I mean, I'm in a world where I came from when the DSM had right. homosexuality as a deviant, you know, thing. It is part of that. It is part of my other activism. It's part of all, all of that stuff is informed why I could sit with you and do a Zoom and talk to you and say, Mayor, have you ever learned how to do de-escalation with somebody who's standing three feet from your face right. and screaming at you? So I can't divorce myself from those experiences mm -hmm. of being really careful. I also happen to enter a very male-dominated trade. I'm a house painter. Right. I've worked in the trades with a lot of men and men that will tell me things they never tell their girlfriends or their wives and I'm calling them on their stuff. Mm -hmm. Those inform how these protests and my mindset so that when I have other women like recently, I got contacted by a couple of women who heard and they knew that I was doing these um, trainings and they just like in a week's time we're planning to go to a protest that another organization had started talking about on social media, the city, the time frame, and the location that was going to mm -hmm. be where this was. All of that I already saw on social media and was going, oh my God, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. I would never reveal that stuff. It is like the big no-no. Right. One of these women contacted me and said, hey, we're going to be in this city at this time doing this thing. We heard you're doing these trainings. We thought it might be a smart move to kind of learn some stuff, you know, some safety things ahead of time. And I'm like, no, you can't just jump in. I was in the middle of finishing, actually middle of right. finishing my set of trainings with somebody. She could not understand why I just didn't give her some pointers or do whatever. And do you know that they had this protest scheduled to be in a major city on a Friday night during rush hour to go on for a very extended period of time that I would never do. Mm -hmm. And I said, everything you're doing, you know, I can't have any part of right. that. And, and the more that they kind of pushed about it, I knew that I cannot involve them in my protests. Right. Now I'm doing either. Right. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anything else that you think that our listeners uh, should know or you'd like them to know about how they can get involved? They can go to the Facebook page and, and I'll provide you with the link for that if I haven't already. It's Can I Get a Witness and Voices. This is what's on Facebook right now. My channel that I had after the conference with all my speakers, it was wonderful. There was a channel filled with like 27 different clips that protest that I talked about earlier that happened mm -hmm. in LA, when I decided to load that up along with my whole conference that I had on Vimeo, somebody must have complained about that one, you know, two minute clip that I had up. Vimeo took a look. They wiped out the entire channel. No warning. They didn't even say to me, look, we see that there's a problem with this video. We've got to remove it. No, obviously they literally used the word in an email that I got saying that the material or the content that I had on my channel could terrorize people. And I thought, 
Oh my gosh. Oh, Abigail Schreier is so terrorizing. Uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dr. Quentin Van Meter is so right. terrorizing. You know, Megan Murphy is so terrorizing. Oh my God. We know that silencing is going on everywhere. And I'll tell you right now, when I was getting my person to send me the photos and some footage yesterday so that I could start loading it up onto social uh -huh. media, for some reason, Instagram just all of a sudden can't seem to let me load up a video of that footage. Mm -hmm. I've tried it numerous times now. Right from Must my be a glitch. Must be a glitch. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And when with with the protests that happened last month, Gmail got messed with. Uh -huh. Facebook got weird on me. One of my top tweeters, when she tried to retweet from somebody else's page, all of a sudden her Twitter shut down. And I heard this happen to three of my people. Twitter went down on them and said, you need to put in your password again. Just for retweeting images of people with these signs. Right. So the one thing I want to say to everybody, if you're seeing and you're hearing some of the stuff for the first time from somebody, because I'm not the only one to talk about this stuff. I'm not the only one doing this by any means. Me, just like every other individual, we've got different projects and whatnot going on. But I'll tell you, we are in an extremely frightening time where big tech and just think about this. If big tech could shut down Donald Trump, the president of the United States, as much as I cannot stand that man, that terrified me. Mm -hmm. And I think it should terrify everybody. Mm -hmm. So if you disagree with things that you heard me talking about, I could disagree with you and whatever your beliefs are about things, but I will die for you to be able to have the ability to go out in the public square or to make your video or to write an article or to talk about bottom line free speech. Because if you can be shut down, I mm -hmm. can be shut down. Mm -hmm. And also, if I don't agree with you, and there are people that are on, you know, in my camp about this stuff and others that disagree with me about it. But if Mayor, you were off and you were doing a a speech somewhere and I hated everything that was coming out of your mouth and I thought it was really dangerous. I have people on my side that would say, let's throw a pie in her face. And this happened here in San Francisco too. I had a huge fight with my roommate at the time. There was a man that went up to Willie Brown while he was the mayor here and they didn't like his homelessness policies and all that. I didn't either, but I got into fights with with other colleagues of mine because they thought it was fine when this guy rushed the stage and smashed a pie into Willie Brown's mm -hmm. face. I don't like that. I wouldn't right. do that. And there's another angle, who's right, who's wrong, whatever. But I don't sure. believe in attacking people. So if somebody who wants to call themselves that they're pro-trans and they wanna say that I'm anti-trans, I'm pro-woman, I'm pro-kids, I'm pro as long as you're not hurting anybody or trying to gaslight me yeah. into something or compel me into a certain speech or whatever, I don't give a crap mm -hmm. if you want to who you want to love as long as everything is consensual. That's all good. It's fine with me. But 
I will not engage with somebody if all they want to do is come up to me, threaten me physically, threaten my family, my friends, my lover, whoever. Don't, you don't do that. Right. Use your words, use your brain, use Mm -hmm. your writing, use the legal tactics that we have to have dialogue with each other. Please instill this in your children. Do not fall into this cancel culture stuff. Anybody that I write about, I'm not advocating, you know, for their removal from society. If they really if they're really grifters and they're building up new platforms and they're trying to do the same patterns of things that they've always done, when you see a pattern in people, that's an issue. And Mm -hmm. we have to look at what that is. But trans activists using this threat constantly, and as you said, and I thank you for that, it is male, it's a men's rights movement. Mm -hmm. When we have the ACLU, we cannot even rely on anymore which used to be a good organization that stood for women and girls and mm-hmm. kids, whatever. And now we've got this Chase, you know, Strangio, who is yeah. literally advocating changing the narrative and saying that, you know, women like me are anti-trans rather mm-hmm. than pro-female. <clears throat> you've got a Beth Stelzer who's fighting and we've got 35 states right now. That's as, that's as of May 23rd, okay? 2021 beth has gone from state to state to state to state where he's got 35 states from what i understand right now you've got a beth stelzer fighting for rights women and girls for very good reasons that mm-hmm. have been title nine for years and you've got chase strangio changing the narrative around and saying that we're all anti-trans if we don't want to have the women's women the men and women's sports issue and the medicalization of practically infants at this point yeah. getting younger and younger those are the two things that i've always hoped would wake people up if you have somebody in your family you hear this word trans you think wait i've got a trans friend i'm begging you ask yourself and ask your friend what does that even mean right what does trans even mean because unless you're talking about doing hormones taking body parts off, becoming a lifelong medical patient. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as trans. And it's not something where you go throughout history that there's some trans in it. No, that's the, they're changing the stories, changing the stories. And please read, do the research. And if you have somebody who says to you, my kids said they'd kill themselves you can see that this is information. They are literally being handed a script. Right. We're not crazy. There's a whole bunch of us that are not crazy, but it is very brave and it is scary mm-hmm. to say, I know that if I speak the truth, I'm going to lose X, Y, Z friend. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my friend. And they're threatening my life. It's happened and it happens mostly to women. Yeah. 99%. I've got, you know, a couple of gay men friends right now that are realizing, oh shit, they're talking about me too. They're trying to erase biologicals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've got friends, their articles are not being published. Right. Should be. And they're not. And now some men are going, I think I'm beginning to see what you guys Mm -hmm. know. It's a time to be united. 
none of this crap about there's just left and right, there's right wing, left wing, uh-uh. Right. We can fight about whether or not a woman should be able to terminate a pregnancy later. Let me work, you know, with you now on this. Right. Even if you think that a woman should have a right to terminate a pregnancy, there's other issues that I may not agree with you on at all, like horse racing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see the animals, they get killed all the time. Yeah. You might make some money, good money from that. You might have a friend. You might, you might even have a racehorse. I will talk with you about that later. You join my hand. Let's go get in these protests. Mm-hmm. You have no excuse not to, if you can make it somewhere and find out, but I'm doing this the rest of the year and maybe we'll continue to, it's a huge Goliath, but we're chipping away at it. When you got people doing this outside of cars, exactly. you've got janitors or whatever, working at a hospital crying and shaking your hand and saying, I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Cause I know that the employers I work with are mutilating children every day. That's the stuff. Yeah. It's a one-on-one open up. Thank you for letting me talk about this. Focus completely on this. Yeah. It's important. More people need to know. And you represent a grassroots way yeah. that is, uh, it's radical. It is. It's, it's something that it's something that we lose. We're losing more and more. Yeah, it is. Well, I am so glad we had the opportunity to chat about this. And for your time, we chatted for three and a half hours. If you can believe it. We're <laughs> gonna edit this down to. Where- oh yeah. I hope you enjoyed that extended interview with Joey Bright, a lesbian feminist, gender abolitionist, and an activist for the rights of women and girls. If you like what you heard, consider donating to your volunteer-powered community radio station. Just go over to our new website, womensliberationradionews.com, and click on the donate button in the top right-hand corner. Or click on the cake icon also located in the top right-hand corner to purchase some totally excellent radical feminist merch from your original turf radio station. As always, be sure to like, comment, and share widely, sisters. This is April No, WLRN's Grumpy Canadian Gardener. Stay strong in the struggle.